Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. This is brought to our listeners by Hemmings House Pictures and Vision Coaching Inc. Edible Matters, Ripple Effect Music Studios, and Robert Simmons. The best clothing to make you feel and look like Greg and Dave from the Bowling Point Podcast. Com. Robert Simmons, making us look good. Thank you to all of our sponsors that make the Boiling Point Podcast possible. Bam. Dave, we are back on the Boiling Point. Now, there's a couple of interesting things going on right Why here. Why don't you welcome me back like you usually do? Well, no, no. Welcome back. No, no, I don't even want to say welcome back. <laughs> do you know what I want to say? What? Congratulations. Ah, I knew you were going You've there. You've got a baby on the way. What's it like being pregnant? It is. Oh, my goodness. So it is, uh, it is for, different for than the other last sake, few times. Dave tells me he went to Amsterdam, came back, and his lovely wife is pregnant, and uh, he doesn't know where where the correlation was for that I, vacation. <laughs> I don't know. It is. It is. You know, like what I've been saying to people is, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, doesn't apply to Amsterdam. So we went on a trip. We went to get away, and um, and and we were, you know, we're well down the road with kids. Your youngest being six. And we thought the ship had sailed, and um, and it was a longer story, obviously, you know. And uh, we found out that's not the case. So, so we're, you just, we're just you didn't get the old snip snip. Then. Not yet. Oh, yet <laughs> it's so happening. It could be a fourth. Away. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't um, think that's possible yet. But, actually, but the, yeah. the the funny part of it is, or I mean, I'm going to say funny, but it's it's deemed. Um, so I'm I'm uh, in my mid forties. My wife's in her early forties, and believe it or not, you guys, this is deemed a geriatric pregnancy. Nice. Which so so what I've been, saying to, I've been saying to my wife is that it has nothing to do with the mom; it's the father. That's why yes, yes, it's been it's been so it's been uh, wild and funny and thank you and um, but uh, we're it's a blessing and it's a gift and we're it, it was a surprise and now we're at the place where we're excited. Well, so we had a gender reveal party because nice. we got our kids highly involved. So so thank you. Okay. So well, but, well, but let's, well congratulations now you. now the king of trans- transition. Yes, we should actually look up the the actual definition of geriatrics because maybe it's not limited to senior citizens. We should look Cle- that up. Clearly and not. I hope now, not in this case. I don't know, Dave, if you've ever been part of a Toastmasters. I meeting. have. Well, every time we have a meeting, I say have I had because I really haven't been there for a long time. But every time I went to a Toastmasters meeting, we would have a special word, and one of the Toastmasters would get uh, up and explain the word. Right. Transitioning us to. Our guest in studio, Jim Kakachi, who is the immediate former president of the Global Organization of Public Speaking, Toastmasters. Was that a, was that a good intro? That's fabulous, fabulous. I great. learned it all from you, Jim. <laughs> really. And, it, and did he pronounce your last name correctly? Yes, he did. I say Kakachi. Kakachi. Okay, because yes. I was curious about that as I was reading it. I was wondering what what well, is the funny story if you like. But I've been to uh, I've been to Ukraine and to Czech the Czech Republic, and they tell me I say my name incorrectly. Ah. It should be Kakachi. It's a Polish Kikotsky. name. Ah, yes. Uh-huh. yes. I like Kakachi. It's kind of—is he Japanese? Is he Italian? Oh, that's funny. So, Jim, why don't you tell our listeners um, a little bit about 
let, let's talk about your role as the president, even though uh, your, your term is just finished, yes. of such a global movement. Like, this is really cool. So give us the intro. Sure. So Toastmasters, for those who aren't aware, it's uh, founded in 1924. It's a not-for-profit educational organization. We've grown to the point where we're in we're 142 countries around the world, and we've got 16,000 clubs, pe- places where people go and they practice their communication and leadership skills in our structured program and our supportive environment. So I was elected to the board of directors initially 2002 through 2004, and then again in 2012. Um, so it's a five-year term when you serve in the senior offices of Toastmasters International. And you progress from second vice president to first president-elect, president, and immediate and, past. And we're talking the 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 one that reaches all the countries and all was, the associations? Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, I was president last year and just stepped out of that role in August at our convention in Washington D.C. So in that role, my my function was to uh, threefold. It was to serve as an internal ambassador and visit with Toastmasters around the world and make sure we're doing a great job in Zimbabwe and South Africa and Vietnam and Australia. It's to serve as an external ambassador and meet with companies who've brought Toastmasters in house. So many of the largest corporations in the world start Toastmaster clubs as a as a one of the methods they use to develop the communication and leadership skills in their employees. And then the third function is to chair the board of directors. So I uh, had the great honor of doing that last year, and I've got one more year in the board with some s- still significant volunteer responsibilities as immediate past. Can you – that? okay, so this is really cool. And and you're you're a St. John uh, native, is that right? I'm a city Nova Scotia native, but I came here in 1981 for a three-year stint, I thought. Ah, mm-hmm. but you're so you're a CFA. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Dave loves this. I, I, I didn't know about CFAs until yes. Dave explained to me. That's the come He's from away. Come from away. Apparently, CFAs in this city, there or in this province, even they're reminded that they're CFAs all the time. I didn't know that because I'm a uh, an FH. I'm a from here. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know we did that. I apologize for that. Yeah. No. Well, you know what? We just we're just trying to bring you into the fold, buddy. Thank you. Um. So so tell us. Actually, one of the things I'm wondering about is. Toastmasters, where did it originate? You said 1924. Is it yep. is it a is it a, an American or a Canadian phenomenon or a European or? Yep, what, what? started in the U.S. So it's a, it's it's really it's a social business that a guy named Ralph Smedley started in 1905. It's funny. I was reading some stuff recently. Uh, an article out of Austin, and uh, one of the reporters wrote, "You know, if your name's Ralph Smedley, you probably need to find a place where you can develop communication, leadership, and confidence." <laughs> and I thought that was a little cutting, but it was an interesting comment. So he started in 1905. He was working in the YMCA's, and he said, you know, look, these young men, they need an environment where they can develop their speaking skills and their leadership skills. So he uh, he obsessed on the name and he called them clubs. He says, look, this is not a class, not a lecture. It's collegial. It's supportive. Yeah. So he chose the name clubs. And he got transferred a lot in the YMCA and he'd start a club and it would, he'd leave and it would fail. And start another, he'd leave and it failed. And finally in California, it started to grow some roots. So in 1924, we incorporated as a not-for-profit and we've grown to the point we have today. That's this awesome. Incredible. And you must have had one heck of a roller coaster ride last few years as the president. You must have traveled all over the place. The travel opportunities were phenomenal. So last year, last year I was in Zimbabwe, South Africa, where am I missing? Australia, Vietnam, Thailand, Japan, Southern Australia, Melbourne, and Adelaide. This year is much lighter. I'm going to Edmonton and some personal time in Whitehorse uh, later in October, and then to India in Sri Lanka in the uh, spring. This is fantastic. I'm, I'm going up to Whitehorse tomorrow. Is that I really? right? Really? I, I'm from, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm from Whitehorse. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm fascinated by the place. Twelve ten. Oh. I'll introduce you to my parents, Jim. They <laughs> like they live up there. They are, they are, uh, uh, you know, kind of Yukon pioneers. It's a wonderful spot. What? Um, 
you know, what took what brought you into the fold? Like, how did you get involved in Toastmasters? And by the way, I, I have had experience. I I um, have a massive. It, it's funny that when I tell people this now, but but I mean, uh, an incredible fear of public speaking. Um, I do a lot of public speaking now, and I still can feel it, right? And I've kind of decided to turn that in, you know, into okay, you're excited, be be focused, clear, but. But Toastmasters was really, and it was in Vancouver, was really helpful for me in an extremely supportive environment that that, um, that that helped certainly support me. But what got you involved? Yeah, I just want to mention, it's good that you still get that anxiety because anxiety says you care. You want to do a good right. job, right? exactly. And it's just a skill that you need to practice and execute upon. Right. But, but my story is pretty typical. I was um, actually working in IT and I was uh, at my desk one day. Two engineers came to my desk and said, you're a pretty smart guy. You say nothing in meetings, and that was true. He said, come to Toastmasters. And so I did and joined immediately. What, what year was this, Jim? 1987. Okay. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't participate in meetings. I was still afraid I'd say something stupid. And, uh, you know, I'd learned, and I'm sure you learned, Dave. You, you will say stupid things, but you recover. Yeah. That's, in that's not case, insurmountable. In my case, a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes you human as a, as a yeah. speaker and presenter. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I started and very quickly developed in that supportive environment. Um, so, yeah, that's the path. Yeah, it's uh, it is really interesting when we talk about the nervousness. Um, and I also have to say, I was in Toastmasters maybe for a year uh, with the with the club uh, that Jim's in, and uh, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. Um, uh, the way it started, I started to derail is the amount of travel that I have been doing. And the interesting thing is, the travel involves a lot of public speaking. So it came at the right time in my life, and I got to tell you. I've been speaking a lot since then publicly, and I still get the, the, the jitters, but I feel much more confident with the skills I learned there. Um, but I, 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 I've been public speaking for a long time. I was more nervous speaking at Toastmasters, even doing <laughs> the, the small little exercises, topics, yes. than in front of an audience of 600 people because we were all there for the same reason. To It's a very vulnerable thing. It's like, we're all here because we all recognize we need to grow in public speaking. So I'm going to get up in front of you, and you're not going to judge me, but we're going to, <laughs> you know, it's it's a different type, but it's really cool because it's a place where you're allowed to fail and you're encouraged to try, you know, to uh, to get up, and you know, you got colleagues who are going to help uh, boost you. What, I, I thought it was wonderful. For experience. people that haven't experienced it, Jim, like what would you? How would you describe? Uh, like, so someone's, I guarantee someone's sitting here going, geez, you know, I have thought or someone's recommended Toastmasters to me and I just never took the plunge for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe walk us through what would it be like walking into it for the first time and, and maybe, it, you know, the reservation someone might have might disappear as a result of your sure. explanation. So first I'll, I'll suggest that anybody who's interested visit www.toastmasters.org. At, right at the top of the page you can find Find a Club. So anywhere in the world you can find a club. And if you're interested in attending, I'd, I'd recommend you email them and make sure you can have access that they are meeting. Some clubs are closed. So, for example, we've got clubs in Facebook and Google and Bank of America. That's for employees only. But otherwise, most clubs will just welcome you in to uh, come and see what happens. Meetings can run from one hour to two hours typically. And you'll see that's a very structured program where people are responsible for planning and executing the meeting. Uh, some people will deliver prepared speeches that exercise a specific skill like vocal variety or organizational techniques. Uh, there'll be an evaluation portion where we say, how do we do as a club, as a meeting, and how do we do individually? What are our good skills and what, uh, what areas could we individually develop in? And the third component is impromptu speaking, and that's the place that people really get rather nervous, where they're presented with a topic that they didn't plan to speak on, but they need to address 
has it. But that's the real world, isn't it? That yeah. happens to us from time mm -hmm. to time. Yeah. So that's what they'll see. I'd also like to mention, you know, a lot of us joined because we were nervous about speaking in public. But uh, we, we've got a segment that, that joins because they're not nervous, but they know they're not effective. <laughs> Yeah, they say, look, I, I, I'm not nervous before getting in front of a group, but I know my message is not landing. And I've met some people. It's been interesting. Uh, I met a lady in Washington at our big convention, and she said, I joined because I was a bully, and I needed to learn how to control what I say. And uh, so we, we've got a, a lab, a communication lab, where people can come in and work in that supportive team environment right. and learn to give feedback, receive feedback, and develop their skills. So, so, that, so really, it's for anyone that wants to be an effective communicator, no matter mm -hmm. what, what might be, um, um, uh, I guess, getting in the way of the being effective, whether it's fear or, or maybe being too aggressive or not understanding your audience or whatever. So it's really for anyone. And, and, but it also, but for, and you know what? You just brought up a good point, which is people often think about it as helping people get over a fear of it's speaking. True. But, but yet it has this. this but whole yeah, it, it really is like a. In our club, that uh, when I was there, there was a few very polished speakers, some that uh, that you know, Dave, that uh, uh, would come in. In my in my mind, I was like, why would you need to come here? Because you speak on a regular basis in front of people, other coaches and whatnot. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, then uh, after I matured a little bit I, in the organization, I realized this is a great place for a professional speaker to come and just continue tweaking. The other thing I thought was interesting is. Even basic governance, as an example, like uh, how to run a, a board meeting, for example. Every single time we meet, it is organized, structured, agenda, you know, timed. You know, it's, you know, if, if anybody's going to join a board, what a great experience to get ready to, do, to join your first board. Go to a, a few Toastmasters meetings. And uh, it's just, it teaches you efficiency and effective communication. And I'd add, anybody who needs to run any sort of meeting, they can learn very good skills to manage those meetings. Yeah. And it's free. No. <laughs> but, but it's There's a expensive. modest cost. It's about 150 to $200 Canadian each year. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's free. <laughs> Pretty much free. free. Um, no, I mean, no, but I see what you're saying. Like, it's, it's a small membership fee, but it's not like you're hiring a consultant to help Correct. you. So, I mean, what a, Matt, a great opportunity. Actually, now as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, why, why, why haven't I been involved? What got, what, what got you, um, you know, beyond being a participant and into, you know, kind of the executive role and the working ambassador role and that sort of thing, Jim. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, as I joined Toastmasters, I started to look for new opportunities. And I see that a lot. People people overcome that fear. They develop some skills and they want change. For me, the initial change in, in uh, Alliant was I wanted to get into sales and marketing and did so. So I became hungry for change and a lot of people do. So I got involved with the Board of Trade at one point and uh, did some work there. I'm involved with some other volunteer organizations. But I'm personally just always looking for where's a place where I can make a contribution contribution and stretch my skills. So it took me a while to step into these senior roles with Toastmasters, but eventually I decided, you know, look, that's uh, I've got some interest. I've got something to offer. It'll be a great growth opportunity. It also coincided very nicely with me retiring from Bell Alliant five years ago. So that gave me freedom to, to mm. travel and to, to play a, a, a bigger role. So those things came together very nicely. And the other, the other cool thing, too, is when I first met you, Jim, you were retraining and, and studying uh, uh, um, more business administrative uh, uh, things, even though you've got decades of, you know, marketing and IT. What was that part, portion of your life leading towards, i.e., what are you up to now? 
Uh, well, I finished an MBA back in 2013, and I finished these roles with Toastmasters. So I've also started a small marketing consulting company. Um, so I'm doing some work with one major client right now. So as my volunteer responsibilities with Toastmasters decline, I'm looking for other business opportunities. So there's a few paths that might take, but it's a bit of a, a time of transition for me. Very cool. And it's is fun. it exciting or, or, or scary? No, it's very it's very exciting. It's, uh, it, it's difficult for people to make choices, and um, that's the phase that I'm in right now. There's some choices to make. Yeah, well, it's better than having choices. <laughs> yeah, feeling like you're, uh, yeah, you're stuck. Um, you know, if I understand correctly, so you moved from an engineering or an IT role into a, into a sales and marketing role. It doesn't happen often, does it? You know, it's, it's, it doesn't happen very often. It's interesting. So in Japan, I met a Canadian who married a Japanese girl, and he's a Toastmaster, and he, he's got a podcast as well. So uh, he interviewed me, and as I sat back and reflected, I realized that's what most of his questions were about. How do you make the transition? Yeah. So I've contacted him, and we started working on a book just around that. Oh, the, cool. the working title is from keyboard to keynote, because uh, we oh, think there's like a message that. there. There's yeah. a there's a message there. You know, yeah, it's a, yeah. those skills are important if you want to stay in IT or if you want to move beyond IT. And when, so, what was it that pushed you from the keyboard? Hmm. I think it was looking around and being uh, somewhat envious about. Um, who was recognized within the organization. Uh, in the organization I was in, sales and marketing is what drove uh, drove the business. And that's the case in most businesses. So I wanted to get in that game and uh, spent four years in sales and the remainder of my time in, in marketing. Oh, excellent. For me, it's really relevant um, because I've been studying, uh, soft studying, this whole idea of transitions recently. Uh, well, certainly over the last two years, uh, ever since we started uh, doing research for our two documentaries ago, The Millennial Dream, we started to really focus on the values of the millennial generation. And then I started realizing that those aren't values exclusive to the millennials. Baby boomers and Gen X also embody them. However, the difference is a lot of the millennial generation has, has been demanding to, to, you know, and expecting these values to be honored. Where us who are Gen X and baby boomers are only now saying, wait a minute, we believe in that stuff too. And yeah, we want to jump on that boat and make a switch as well. So I'm seeing a lot of people in their 40s and people even my father's age, you know, nearing their, you know, mid 60s or mid 50s, dad, however old you are, um, <laughs> that um, they're making these shifts, these transitions, and they're radical transitions. And it takes it, it takes an entrepreneur brain or an artistic brain or a risk taker brain to be able to do that. But I'm seeing more and more people that I never thought would take those risks taking them. And I think it's an exciting time. And for your book, that transition from keyboard to keynote, I think you're running at the right time. Like that's it's so relevant right now. What, and what it, like so when you when as you think of this book and you start laying it out, the foundation for it. You know, if you were to give us maybe some of the key tenants that you think support transition, just kind of building on Greg's point there, is there some things that that come up right now, or are you still in the exploring stage? No, we've got a, we're working on a, an early draft of it now, but it, it comes back to communication skills, effective communication skills that you can get in lots of places, including Toastmasters. So, IT folks sometimes struggle with listening with understanding their audience, with tailoring their message to the audience, mm. to reading audience response. Mm. Um, so it comes down to communication, whether it's written, spoken, or effective listening skills. Um, when you're reading your audience, is there, and I kind of want to tap into your, your expertise here, do you, is it, and there's a reason I'm asking this clearly, um, do, is there ever 
Do you ever find people speaking are too concerned about their audience? In other words, overreading kind of what the audience may be experiencing or expressing? Yes, I think so. I think it's important to realize the more you speak, you, you, the more you realize that a, a bad audience response isn't necessarily about you. You, know, you. you don't know what's going on in someone's life. They, they could be having some challenges at work or at home. So some people might look like they're not receptive to your message and you can't take that personally. You mm -hmm. still need to deliver upon it. Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of interesting experiences. One uh, one was back in 2001 and uh, I, had a, I was speaking for work at a at a conference that was held in, held in a city for highway engineers. So it was 300, 400 highway engineers from around North America had gathered. The date turned out to be Thursday, September 13th, 2001, two days after September 11th. Right. So it, I was required to speak and I stood before that audience in their minds. It didn't matter what I said. They're, they were thinking about when will planes fly again? Should I rent a car? Can I get a cab to New York City? I haven't heard from my friend. So it was a really extreme example for me that... You know, I need, needed to perform, but it didn't matter what I said. Uh, my message was not not received. And not so it's not been getting thrown off by that, I think, as a speaker. Absolutely. And how did you do at that? Like, was this previous to Toastmaster? No, no, that you, was... You, so you had the skills to be able to work through that? I had the skills and the professionalism to realize, look, I still need to deliver. And I've had other experiences, some, some more minor in scale, but I remember... Uh, after starting in Toastmasters, I became confident and capable, and I did my first big presentation at work, and the audience didn't respond very well. They were just rather muted. Yeah. And I walked to the back of the room, and I grabbed a coffee, and a couple of people came over and said, hey, you're really good. Where'd you learn to do that? So that's just a lesson in how audiences respond, right? We're not going to be too supportive. I, I want to agree with you on that. I am. Mm. <laughs> I've... Even yesterday, I spoke to a high school class in uh, at St. Max, and I, you know, every once in a while, I get asked to come speak to the schools. And at the beginning, I was scared to death because, like, like it, you know, God bless them. I, I initially thought they were totally brain dead because there was zero, zero engagement for uh, the first few times I did this. I know that doesn't sound very respectful of me, but you know, a public speaker, I come in, I'm like, I'm trying to get them excited, and then you get them like, you know, <laughs> yeah, nobody can see what I'm doing right now, but. <laughs> Okay, you guys don't say anything for a second. Ready? That's the type of uncomfortable dead air there was. <laughs> Asking questions. If you're uncomfortable dead air. But then, <laughs> then after the comments start to trickle in, I might get an email from the teacher saying this person was impacted this way. and got They were really excited. So I have to realize that these kids are scared to death. Like the, the example I'm talking about was grade nine class. Think about that. They're in high school for the first time. They're probably not, don't think they're allowed to talk, you know. And I'm talking about making movies and following their dreams and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm just getting like deer in the headlights. <laughs> but really, they're taking it in. They just don't know how to behave. And mm -hmm. I, 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 I felt that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, so now I feel totally comfortable being a total dork in front of these audiences of kids, you know, of students. Because even if one or two of them are impacted by the message... And we can walk away confidently and say we did our job. I found that um, those situations, at least for me, my strategy, and I, and I'm and we'll, I'll get invited to be a, you know, will you will you speak? And I'll say, well, I'll speak on the condition that you're okay with me interacting with the audience and having the audience interact with each other. In other words, if you're expecting a keynote kind of lecture basing, I don't think I'm your guy. Like, and I'm just, I mean, can I do it? Yeah, I guess, but I'm not, I don't think I'm as effective. I'm much rather, so, you know, I kind of go back to 
um, getting invited. And you're right, that is the hardest group to speak to is high school students. And I, my goddaughter invited me in to speak on leadership, and she, the whole school shows up, and I was expecting like 35 kids, and it's like 200 kids, and they're from grade, grade 7 to grade 12. <laughs> okay, what do I do with this? So I found the most effective way was just to get them up and moving around and talking to each other and doing all this stuff and then giving me feedback and then I present something else and I go back to that. Like I just, I just, and I don't know if that's a cop out, Jim, but no. that's that's what works for me. I mean, and they will like, remember that. Well, I, I hope you know, or, or they would remember it hopefully more than me, some some guy getting up being a talking head. Absolutely. Well, you know, communication uh, implies that the message is received. If message is not received, communication did not occur. So that's a great way to enhance the uh, reception. You can also use little tricks. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> um, it was a for me. It was a. Um, a bribe uh, situation because I'd ask the class a question and nobody would answer. And then I said, uh, Mr. Sweezy is the teacher. And I said, um, okay, if nobody's going to answer the questions, uh, I'm going to give you one chance. And if, when I say go, I'm going to count to five. If, if somebody asks me a question before five is done, Mr. Sweezy is going to let you watch all of the millennial dream in your next class, which is our, our documentary we're talking about, <laughs> i.e. get a free pass not to hear teachers speak for a whole class. <laughs> and within three seconds, bam, questions started coming. It's like, this is effective. So it's funny, right? You gotta, you, 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 you acknowledge the awkwardness and then Absolutely. you throw something out there and uh, yeah. Agreed. So what, what, what's the most awkward position that you've ever been? You already told us about the times where there were really difficult situations, but awkward, embarrassing, because we all have them. Hmm, I guess I tend to block them out. <laughs> Let's see. Can I think of any <laughs> awkward, embarrassing ones? Um, you know, I've certainly had situations where I've looked for people to volunteer. Actually, it was an interesting cultural experience. So I presented in Japan for Toastmasters, and I looked for volunteers from the audience. And Japanese culture is very team-oriented. Mm -hmm. They don't single themselves out. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Pregnant pause, awkwardness, and finally a couple of guests from Korea volunteered and came in and did the, did the role I required. So that was interesting and awkward and not too debilitating, but uh, that was a little bit of awkwardness I had earlier this year. <laughs> so it, it continues to happen. It do you does. Know, do you know, I just, this is, a, I mean, just, I think it lines with this whole conversation, but I, I, it's important how you're introduced too, right? Before you step on. So I, I was doing work with this group. This is like a decade ago, and they had just gone through a massive uh, downsizing, and it was kind of the remaining folks, and there was a lot of distrust and all this kind of stuff, and they, they're, they're, the territory managers flew from all over, and we met in um, uh, in Alma, at, up at, uh, I think it was, oh, it's a place, anyways, it's, it's on the Atlantic coast here in New Brunswick. And so the bio, the guy, the guy who hired me to come in to work with him for a day, for a full day, reads his bio, and then he goes through it, and this woman from Newfoundland who is a, just a, she doesn't BS at all. She just cut through it. She said, and I'm like, so this is like, so I'm in my 30s at this point. She goes, wow, from the from a bio like that, you must be 85 years old. <laughs> I'm doing a terrible Newfie accent. But it was like, it was like, oh, you know, like, oh, now how do I work with this, right? But so I've ever since that, I thought, you know, isn't that important to make sure your eyes prepare for what you're, you know, who you really are? And I trimmed down the bio. Um what, so what, for you, Jim, like what, you know, what, I guess, could you give us, I, I know we're, we're running out of time here, but maybe a, just a story of um, someone 
that has inspired you, you know, kind of as a result of, of their participation in Toastmasters? Sure. And I, I see many. Um, I I'll, t- see I'll turn to one. It's interesting. There's a gentleman in town. I'm looking to start a new club on uh, early mornings for the business community. And there's a gentleman who came to me recently and he said, look, I, I was a member some years ago and I got what I needed for, at the time. It was perfect. But now I'm doing more work with the press and I need to mentor people and coach people and wow. I want to come back and, and do some, some things. So so I'm very inspired by that. But but truly, I'm inspired to see anybody who comes in to, to, to work on those challenges. You know, there's lots of people who know they, they, they need what Toastmasters or a coach can deliver for them and they're reluctant to take a step forward. So I love people's coming into my environment, a Toastmasters club anywhere in the world, uh, recognizing that they, they're not a perfect communicator, but they're going to work on their skills. And they do that first speech with us, the icebreaker, which you folks are familiar with, yeah. four to six minutes about themselves. Yeah. For some people, that's a traumatic experience. Yeah, yeah. But they don't die and they get yeah. positive feedback yeah. and people clap and their yeah. confidence builds. <laughs> yeah. That inspires me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Seeing that that transformation, I guess, eh? Fabulous. And you must you must be able to actually physically see the difference in someone how they're showing up, eh? Absolutely. Think, you see, particularly if they're coming from a fear fear place a place of fear. Absolutely. You see them just blossom. Wow. Yeah, that's special. I, I would like to I would like to learn more about this group you're putting together. Yeah, Very good. D- Dave and I from the boiling point podcast.com uh, could potentially uh, re re uh, ourselves. We redoes. I, I, I would I would <laughs> I would jump at the opportunity, and I would really like to participate. Very good. Love um, to see you get involved. Yeah, because I would be because because I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, like, what, who doesn't want to sharpen their? It's skills? true though. Like 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 it's so for me it was impossible. Noon hours on Tuesdays. It just it, I tried my very best, but early mornings. It's a slightly different story. Okay. Well, that's so, so. For people that are well, this won't work for most of our audience. But for people that are local, they how do they how do they l- learn more about you, Jim, and and reach out to you if they wanted to chat with you or or um, or learn. I guess you've said about Toastmasters in general, but um, but you know if they want had specific questions for you, if they want to reach me, probably email is best. Jim Kokachi at gmail dot com. G I M K O K O C K I at gmail dot com. And I'd be happy to um, provide advice on uh, public speaking or leadership development, uh, involvement in Toastmasters. I'd be delighted. Cool. Fantastic. Well, this is great. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for for joining us today. Uh, Dave, take away. Um, I'd like actually, well. Oh, yeah. Speak, speak. I like, I like. Jim, who I'm sure has consumed many of our podcasts. Oh, he's, he's listened to every single <laughs> one. Okay. I've listened yeah. to some. Every, yeah. I said it last. I really listened to some. <laughs> um, so, so um, feedback for us. I'd I'd love feedback and in, in you know in terms of what you're hearing and noticing um, us doing well and maybe improving on. No, I love what you're doing about celebrating entrepreneurship and, um, and, and, and personal development. So I just appreciate uh, the effort that you're putting into this and the impact you're having in the world. And anything we could do better? I haven't considered from that standpoint, as you're aware, when someone steps into Toastmasters, <laughs> it's kind of given license to give constructive feedback yeah. in, on, on areas for improvement. Yeah. So uh, I hadn't really been evaluated. Well, how about okay. you that listen sense. to a few more episodes? Yes, sir. And then I'd you love... send us a note and say, you know what? Because <laughs> in reality, there's this is loose. You can see this organization, but it's, it's the style of it. But uh, it'd be really cool to hear your – and in a few weeks, whenever you can hear a few more – Give Dave and I some 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 feedback because 
sometimes we go on and on. Sometimes we cut our guests off. Sometimes we talk more than we should than the guests. Is. So we're figuring this out as well. And we actually love to hear feedback. Well, what I love, though, it's a conversation. It's a, And that's, that's very natural. It's not a, a, a dead interview. So I enjoy the environment. I enjoy the environment. You have a good conversation. And in Toastmasters, that's the way our table topics are impromptu speaking sessions at work as well. Not uh, disjointed questions, but a conversation that right. people participate in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, and and if you're gonna give us, or if you could give us feedback, it'd be great. But just avoid the ones where you hear a, a, a like a, a beer, beer opening at the start, okay. because, because those we're, tend we're to be the, ra- <laughs> the rambling ones, and we're, we're gonna give ourselves a pass on that one, both of us. <laughs> so where we go, oh, geez, did pretty, I ramble? Pretty balanced, one? or should I name names? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Name names, buddy. That's good. Thank you so Jim, much, Jim. So much. Thank you, gentlemen. This is fun. And we'll uh, we'll see you next week, Dave. I'll, I'll we'll still be pregnant. <laughs> you will be. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Greg. Okay. So, Greg, you know what? We have the luxury of doing this podcast, which we've enjoyed for 130-odd episodes. Um, and the reason we're able to do this is because we've got these great companies supporting us. Um, a couple we should mention. One I'm a big fan of, Hemming's House Pictures. And uh, that's your company. Thanks, Dave. And it is great work. Uh you just got to go and check out their website to see it. Um, I've actually used you guys a number of times to do a documentary, do a corporate video, and uh, so it's accessible to small and large businesses and wonderful at helping um, business tell story and, and movements, to, you know, help shaping story around, you know, wh- what's happening in the world. So thank you. To HHB. Well, I'd like to say thank you to one of the the Hemings House team members, uh, Tim Davidson, and we're actually in his his uh, other company's studio right now, Ripple Effect Music. So uh, Tim is yet another community minded person who is essentially donating his studio, uh, the studio that we use at Hemings House to make all of our films sound good. Um, so he's a part of this. Another really important uh, person uh, is Matt, uh, Matt Weber. Mm-hmm. And he his company is uh, Edible Matters. It's an incredible restaurant out in Hammond's uh, Plains outside Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's the one that edits this, all, this, all this stuff together, puts the show notes together, and uploads these podcasts every single week. And then Going back to my good friend who I'm looking at right now, Dave Vale, the big guy with the biggest muscles I've ever met in my life, who also, Dave, you um, you have to know that without you in the early days of me shaping Hemming's House, I probably wouldn't have created Hemming's House. So um, Vision Coaching has helped so many companies and entrepreneurs find their coach approach and create companies that actually can make the change in the world that they want to see. And uh, so Vision Coaching... Uh, and uh, everything that you bring to the table, bringing Kim uh, in as well to help us make this podcast a a success. We say thank you so much. And the great news, the other night, a few weeks ago, you and I bumped into a previous podcast guest, Mr. Paul Simmons himself. Why don't you tell our our listeners about our, our newest gold sponsor for our podcast? Yes, Robert Simmons is a fabulous place. Um, well-known to people throughout New Brunswick, but also um, you can shop there online, men's and women's clothing. And um, uh, Paul Simmons, who is, uh, I I mean, I think they've been going on 20 years now, the founder of the company, um, brings the customer experience to a whole nother level. I say that because I shop there um, 
you know, if you were to say, Dave, you look really good wearing that particular suit, um, I would say, well, thank you. And I would have to credit Paul and his staff, which is fabulous. And it's, it's an incredible experience. You've had it before shopping yeah. there. Um, what, I look great. Look what, at me. And, and what's the experience like? What are they you, walk, you walk in the door, you literally get asked if you'd like to have a, a glass of scotch or an espresso. And that's the beginning of the experience. And you walk out with a new set of clothes that makes you feel like uh, feel like a well-dressed man or woman, depending on uh, on what you are as you walk into this incredible place. They have an incredible uh, magazine that they publish, I believe, quarterly. And uh, the next one's coming out, the fall issue of 2016. Um, they always, what we enjoy, and I think what aligns us with what, what Robert Simmons does is is they make a point of, of covering interesting, um, often uh, business-minded, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, um, community leaders in their publication, and they believe in promoting local. And it's coming out soon, and we have the good fortune of interviewing some of the people in the, uh, in the September issue. Coming up, so uh, robertsimmons.com. And uh, yeah, so that's great. Thanks to our sponsors. And if anybody else uh, in, the, in the podcast sphere is interested in helping us uh, push our Boiling Point movement forward, be in touch. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.